Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. Well, who here uh, woke up hungry today? Put your hand up if you woke up hungry. Who satisfied that hunger? You know, who here, even though you've already satisfied your hunger in the past, uh, by 11.30 you'll be walking out those doors to stuff a sausage sandwich in your mouth to uh, satisfy your hunger again? Who, even though you do that and maybe you sneak a second one in while your partner's not looking, you know that you'll be hungry again by the end of today and you'll go and you'll satisfy that hunger again later on tonight. Put your hand up if you know that's you. You know, our body needs food to survive. And hunger is the way our body tells us that we need more food to supply and satisfy the needs of our body. And depending on uh, how much energy we're expending and depending on how much our body is growing as to how much food we need and how hungry we get and uh, how much food we need to satisfy that hunger. You know, when I was 16, my body was growing very, very quickly. In fact, I grew from being five foot four to six foot two in the space of about uh, seven or eight months, and I was expending a lot of energy playing as much sport and doing as little schoolwork as I possibly could. And so every single morning without fail, and every afternoon when I got home from school, I would go to the cupboard and I would eat a whole row of wheat bicks every morning, every afternoon, about a litre of uh, full cream milk and about half a kilo of brown sugar. And then when I, uh, when, I, when I got through that, you know, I would then, you know, get about six slices of white bread, lather it in uh, strawberry jam and big, thick whipped cream like that every afternoon. And then I'd wake up a couple of hours later and have dinner. And uh, because, because my body was growing and I was expending so much energy, you go forward 10 years and I'm now 26 and, uh, and, and, and my body, you know, wasn't, oh, I was 26, I know I'm not now, uh, I was 26 and my body had stopped growing but I'm still expending a fair bit of energy, playing uh, a fair bit of footy every morning. I would no longer have a whole row, but I would eat four wheat bix and I would now have light milk and a little drizzle of honey. And on the weekends, I was allowed to have two pieces of toast with jam and whipped cream. Now, if we fast forward to 20 years later, I'm now 46. That is true, I am 46. And uh, my body has stopped growing. Although when I went down for my dad's 70th birthday uh, a couple of weeks ago and all of his 70-year-old friends were gathered around, they came up to me and said, gee, you've grown. I thought, I'm 46. You know, I haven't grown for 25 years. It's just that you are now geriatrics and you're shrinking. As, you, as your body's shrinking, your hunger shrinks and the, the energy your body needs shrinks. And now at 46, I have the delight of eating one and a half wheat bix every morning with skim milk and a tiny little bit of fruit. And on my birthday, 
I'm allowed to have one piece of toast <laughs> with jam and whipped cream. You see, we're, all, all of us have hunger within us and all of us need food to satisfy that hunger, but uh, over time, our hunger for food actually reduces and, and, and the amount of food that our body needs decreases. But when we don't eat, however much food we need, whenever we don't eat for long enough, our stomach starts grumbling and then before long, our mouths start grumbling for more food. We start saying things like, I'm hungry, I'm starving, I'm starving to death, I could eat a horse and chase the jockey. You know, you know we, we eat every day to satisfy our hunger. In this salvation series we're going through, we've been following the exodus of, of Israel when uh, God saved them from slavery in Egypt. And so far we've seen that God saved them by providing a leader to speak to Pharaoh. He saved them by providing plagues that went across the land to get Pharaoh's attention. He saved them by, by blood smeared on the, the doorpost as the angel of death passed over. He provided them with a lamb and, and a way uh, through death. And then he provided for them at the, sea, at the edge of the Red Sea when it looks like there wasn't a way through. He provided a wind to blow back the water so that they could walk across onto dry ground and be saved from the army that was trying to kill them. And so the nation of Israel has seen God's provision in a whole bunch of different ways. But we get to Exodus 16. In Exodus 16, Israel have now been on the road for a month. They've run out of provisions. They've run out of food. And uh, they are now hungry. And they're starting to grumble about it. Their stomachs are grumbling. Now their mouths are grumbling. And they're saying, I'm hungry. I'm starving to death out here in the desert. I could eat a horse and chase the jockey. And that's where we pick it up in Exodus chapter 16. So if you've got a Bible, open it. And it says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elim and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They are just like children in the back seat of your car who just start whining for food. I'm hungry, I'm desperate for McDonald's. Give me food or I will die. Now, thankfully, our Father in heaven is a little bit more gracious than this Father when that happened in our back seat and maybe some other fathers in, uh, when that happens in your back seat driving home today. Have a listen to uh, God's response. Verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I'll test them and see whether they'll follow my instructions. 
on the sixth day they're to prepare what they bring in and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. And so here we see God saying, I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to provide for you in the desert. In fact, I am going to make bread rain down from heaven. You're going to have enough for every day. And on the sixth day, I'm going to give you twice as much so you've got enough for two days. And they had to trust him every day. And then he goes on, verse 11, he skipped down to verse 11. The Lord said to Moses, I've heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you'll eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord your God. You see, we have a God who provides for our needs and we, know, we have a God who knows how to satisfy our hunger. You see, God provides bread to satisfy their hunger. He fills them. He provided bread every day because bread doesn't last long. My mum's a lovely woman and she's a great cook, but she was absolutely useless at making sandwiches to take to school. And uh, I, was too, I was too timid to tell her uh, in the first few years of school. And so some of you will, will uh, know this experience. Who had, you know, a mum who bought, you know, the cheapest sliced white bread, thinnest stuff you could possibly buy, and then put a piece of Devon on it with tomato sauce and then squeeze it together so the sauce oozed through the bread uh, and then it sat in your hot lunchbox all day before you got to the joy of eating it at lunchtime. Put your hand up. Some of you know that joy and I still can't eat Devon and tomato sauce to this day. Disgusting. But I was too afraid to tell mum so I just left it in my bag and I didn't want to throw it out for fear of offending her. But some of you have never experienced this. My mum's other favourite sandwich that she would give us was beetroot and onion. What was she thinking? Imagine beetroot on just white bread, just soaking purple through the, the bread. My dad to this day still loves beetroot and onion sandwiches, so my mum presumed we all did. I didn't, but for the first couple of years of, of school, I didn't tell her, and I just leave those sandwiches in my bag. I don't know why I'm a weird kid. I was weird, I'm normal now. But uh, I'm telling you, bread only lasts for a day. I went through three school bags in kindergarten and six in year one because the, 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 the whole of my bag just turned into a big mold fest. Until, until my bag got so mouldy, the bottom fell out of it with about 67 old sandwiches. Because bread, bread is only supposed to be eaten on that day. And so God could have provided a whole bunch of things, but he provided bread because he wanted them to learn to trust him every day for fresh bread. And bread fills us. It satisfies our hunger. It's why when you go to a, uh, a all-you-can-eat restaurant where they've got beautiful meats and, and food there, you never eat the bread. That's a rookie mistake. It fills you and you miss out on all the good gear that, that's on offer. You see, we have a, a God who knows how to provide bread to satisfy our hunger every day. But this is not just a lesson in the desert on use-by dates. All right, He says a lot about, you know, only take what you need for that day, otherwise it's going to get maggots in it and it'll stink. 
It's not really a lesson on use-by dates. He tells them only to gather enough for that day to see if they will obey his word. In Deuteronomy, when uh, Moses is reflecting on this period in the desert, it says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Their, their life was dependent on whether they listened to his word and obeyed it. And so we have this picture of God not only providing bread to satisfy their physical hunger, but he provided his word to satisfy their spiritual hunger. See, it's not just our stomach that gets hungry. We hear our stomach grumbling, and it's really, really obvious, but our soul gets hungry and needs feeding. And it doesn't make a noise like our stomach does. But, but one of the signs that we're actually hungry spiritually is that we are grumbling and we are grappling for more stuff to fill our lives with. We're, we're, we're grumbling and we're grappling for more money, you know, more sex, more stuff, more pleasure, you know, more drink, more of anything that will make us feel better to satisfy our spiritual hunger. You see, every day God provides us with bread to satisfy our physical hunger, but every day God actually provides us with his words to satisfy our spiritual hunger. The problem is we try to satisfy our spiritual hunger with what God has given us to satisfy our physical hunger. We're tempted every day not to be satisfied with the words of God, but to actually grapple and grumble for more physical things to satisfy our spiritual hunger. Jesus, when he came to earth, you know, he emptied himself of his you know, divine power. The Son of God came to earth and he walked like a man among us. And it says that the Holy Spirit led him into the desert to fast for 40 days and it says at the end of those 40 days, Jesus was hungry. Well, no kidding. He's been in the desert walking around and he hasn't eaten for 40 days and the devil comes to him with the same temptation we get every day. He says, have a look at those rocks, turn them into bread to satisfy your hunger. And Jesus says, man, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I want to ask you this morning, are you hungry for the Word of God? Are you hungry for the Word of God? Because as long as you continue to try satisfying your spiritual hunger with physical things, more food, more drink, more sex, more money, more pleasure, more stuff, more status, you'll always be left wanting more. You'll never be satisfied. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word, the living word that comes from God. I want to ask you this morning, are you hungry for the word of God? This thing is a wonderful provision. It's a wonderful provision to feed you spiritually, but you have to read it. And we're supposed to read it every day. It's a daily experience, like we listen to our physical hunger and we feed our bodies every day. 
You know, God has given us this provision as our daily bread to speak to us every day and to satisfy our spiritual hunger. Are you hungry for the Word of God? Are you hungry for the Word of God? He'll feed you every day if you read it every day. See, God provides bread to satisfy our hunger and God provides bread to sustain you in every season. Just uh, skip down to verse 13. It says, That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, This is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is the bread God's given you to eat. And they go out and they see these uh, frosty flakes on the ground. They go, what is it? And that's actually what manna literally means. We think manna means bread because it's become synonymous with bread. But the Hebrew word manna literally means, what is it? You see, they'd never seen manna before because they'd never been wandering in the wilderness before. They never needed to eat it again after the 40 years because God provided bread in a different way in that season. He provided land for them to farm their crops and rain to come from heaven so that they could provide for themselves through the provision that God had given them. But for that 40 years, for that season wandering in the desert, what they needed was manna. They'd never seen it before. They go, what is it? And they actually never saw it again. But it's exactly what they needed in that season. And can I encourage you, that God has got a word for you to sustain you in this season. And it might be, it's not that his word changes, but what you need to receive changes in this season. God's got a word to sustain you in this season. I love Psalm 23, when David says, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, he, he sets a table before me as a banquet in the face of my enemies. Even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even when I'm in the scariest challenge that I've ever known, even when people are coming and want to kill me, right there, God's got a word for you. He's got something he wants to speak into your life to sustain you in that season, to strengthen you in that season. You see, we eat different breads in different places in different seasons. If you're in France, you eat French bread. If you're in Lebanon, you eat Lebanese bread. If you're looking for bread on Boxing Day, you eat hot cross buns. They'll be in store. If you're going through a season of plenty, you buy fancy ciabatta bread. If you're pretty tight and on a budget, you buy $1 Audi bread. You know, if you're gluten intolerant, you eat the cardboard box that the bread came in because it's cheaper and far tastier than the bread for that season. But we eat different bread in, in different seasons, different times in our lives, and it's exactly what God does for each one of us. He's got a word for you. 
I want to ask you, do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God has a word of life for you for this season? And it might be different to what you needed to take hold of in the last season, but it will be like bread. It will be something for you to chew over and to keep thinking about and to digest, and it will give you strength to face the challenges you're facing in this season. You know, are you hungry? to hear the word that God has for you in this season, to see the breakthrough that God has for you in this season. Because one of the signs is that we're spending our lives on our knees crying out to God. God, I want to know what you have for me in this season. i tell you one of the other scary signs that we're hungry to, to know God's word in this season is that we're willing to fast and go without food for a time. That we're willing for a time to say, God, you, you, you know what my stomach needs, but for this season, I'm not going to let my stomach be king because you're king and I need to know what it is you're saying to me in this season. Throughout biblical history, we see you know, godly leaders calling the people to fast when they needed a word from God. They needed to hear what God was saying to them in this challenge that they're facing. If they knew that the challenge they're facing was only possible by God's miraculous breakthrough, they called the people to fast. And if you're just sitting here excusing yourself for never fasting and saying, well, that's Old Testament, I don't need to do that. Jesus Christ said, when you fast, do this. Not if one day you decide to fast. Not if, if for some special occasion that comes up somewhere in your life that you need to fast. It's when you fast, do this. You see, there's a time when, when we're going through challenges you know, as a, as a people, as a family, as a church family, as a nation, when, when we're really hungry to see the Word of God spoken in that season, to strengthen us in that season, we actually say, I'm going to go without the physical sustenance that I really want for a time because I want to be completely attuned to my King. I want to hear His Word in this season. I hate fasting because I love food. I wish I could still eat 12 wheat picks every afternoon. But I'm just going to encourage you. We're in a, a significant season uh, as a church. We're seeing lots of people get saved. We're seeing campuses getting planted, and it's exciting. But, but we've got some, some exciting new challenges coming up. That's why we're having this members meeting next Tuesday, and I encourage you to come to that. But I, I'm just going to encourage you, as much as I hate fasting, I know it's important for this season. And on the next two Tuesdays, I'm just going to fast for those days. Now, leading up to our prayer meeting as we come together and pray as a church, and then leading up to our special members meeting, I'm going to turn up tired and cranky. But I know that you know, God is, is calling me as a leader to fast and to pray and say, God, I want to hear your voice. And I just think there's some others of you that are going to join me for our church. Some of you, you want to see a breakthrough in your family. You're really hungry for the Word of God to sustain you in this season. Get on your knees and pray. And for some of you, God's calling you to fast for a time. Say, God, you're the King. He's got a word for you in this season. And God provides bread to be shared with everyone. So if you go down to verse 16, it says, This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone's to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered 
just as much as they needed. You see, the, the bread that God provided was for everyone. It wasn't just for those who had been obedient. It was also for those who had been disobedient. It wasn't just for those who had lots of faith. It was also for those who had little faith. It wasn't just uh, for those who hadn't grumbled in the back seat. It was for the grumblers and the non-grumblers. God is gracious. He loves to give to everyone. He wants what he's got to give to be shared so that everyone receives. And so I want to encourage you, there are words that God has spoken into your life in different seasons of your life. And you presume everybody gets it. You presume everybody knows that truth about God. It's a truth that you've received, you've digested, you've thought about, it's strengthened you in a season, and it's for you to enjoy, but it's also for you to share with others. There's somebody else around you. There's somebody in this congregation. There's somebody in this workplace, in your workplace, that needs to hear that word, and they don't yet get that truth. We always think everybody knows this. It's not true. God has revealed something to you. You've received it. You've digested it. And it's strengthened you. And it's for you to enjoy because God's a good dad and he loves to give good gifts to his kids. But it's also for you to share with others. So I would encourage everyone to share their salvation story. That's not the whole of what I'm talking about. But there's, there's a story. There's, there's truth that you've experienced that's not just for you. You've got to give it to others. And if we don't give it to others, I'd say there's a selfishness in that. We can't hold back what we've discovered about God. Because others need us to be shared with everybody. The words that God's given you is to be shared with everybody. And the wealth that God has given you is for you to enjoy and for you to share with others. And so when, when Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to give generously, he actually quotes verse 16 from Exodus that we just read. That, you know, some people needed a lot, some people needed a little, but it meant there was an equality and everyone has what they needed. When, when Paul's telling church like us in Corinth to give generously so that people in another, you know, part of the region could be fed physically and spiritually and receive what they've received, he quotes this verse. And, and he says to them, he says, just as you've excelled in a whole bunch of things, in your faith, in your speech, you know, make sure that you also excel in giving. And the people understood that, you know, in Old Testament law, you know, they were to give a tithe. They were to give a tithe of their crops or their produce. They were to give a tithe of their wealth. And, and Paul is saying, now that we live under grace, don't give any less, but excel in the grace of giving. And he looks back to the provision of God in, in Exodus. And you see, bread has become so synonymous with provision, even in our secular world. You know, we, we, we talk about the money that we have being bread in our pockets, bread that we earn. I, I just want you to picture for a minute that this is your bread. This is your money. And if you're someone who worships God and wants to see God's word proclaimed throughout the nation, then God calls us to give a tithe, no less, to excel in, in the grace of giving. So if this is your bread, and I've made sure there's a hundred pieces of bread here in some way, shape or other, it means that we would give ten back to God. 
What do you notice when you give your, get your 10 to give to God? What do you notice about the bread that's left? Come on, what do you notice about the bread that's left? There's still a lot of bread. What, what would you say to a person who, you know, was looking at the, the 10 bits of their bread out of the 100? That's what a tithe means. I know some of you might be confused. Some people think a tithe, you know, means 2.5%. That was a joke. Um, it, actually, it actually means 10%, the first 10 but just, just imagine, just imagine this uh, person, fictional person with all this bread. He's kind of looking at what he's got to give to God and what he's left uh, and says, you know what, I don't think I've got enough bread left for myself. I, I'm going to keep three of my bits of bread for myself because I'm pretty hungry and I like my bread and I'll just give seven to God. What would we call a person like that? What's a name we might use? I'd say greedy. That's a greedy person. I haven't got enough for myself. I'm going to keep some. What would we call a person who knows that their ability to earn, in this case to grow crops and, and to make bread, was because you know God gave them soil and, and rain uh, from heaven and uh, he'd actually given them the body and as we've sung today, put the breath in our lungs and he's given us minds to, to run a business and to earn an income. And when it got to the stage of the spoils of all of that, we kind of said, I worked hard for this. And I'm not sure that the God who gave me all of that really deserves this much. So I'm going to keep two more for myself. What would we call that person? We might call them selfish. They're a little bit selfish, or actually the word I was going to use was ungrateful. Hold that selfish thought for a bit later. They might be ungrateful to God. What about the person who, before the crop's even grown, before the, the bread has uh, kind of been, uh, has risen, they've actually committed, you know, 95% of their bread to debts that they have or their cost of living in some way so they can't possibly give God a tithe, they can't possibly give God 10 because they're committed it to all sorts of other places out there and they haven't got enough left for God, what would we call that kind of person? I'd call them foolish, maybe. A little foolish to get themselves into that kind of situation. Lastly, and just remember that word I said before, what if, what if someone said, look, you know, I've received something from God and I like the fact that I'm fed both physically and spiritually, but I don't really care about the people that haven't yet been fed physically and spiritually. And so I'm going to keep a little bit more for myself rather than give it to God. And I'm just going to store it up in my storehouse here on earth because I don't care how many people end up in heaven. And you put a little bit more back. What would we call that person? Selfish, thank you. I'm just going to give two and a half bits of my bread to God. You know, this is the picture of what the church in Australia currently does. 
currently in this church and across Australia, we're given about 2.5% of what God has given us to the furthering of his kingdom, the advancement of his gospel through the church. Now, I'm not sure whether it's because of greed or selfishness or ungratefulness or foolishness, maybe a little bit of all of those things. But what I do know, if the church in Australia is going to see revival, if we're going to see many, many people come to salvation, if we're going to see the church thriving in Australia, fulfilling its mission in Australia, the church needs to be spiritually strong. Needs to be, uh, we need to be a church that can stand firm in our faith because we're receiving God's Word. We're living in God's Word. We're standing firm in our faith. The church needs to be relationally strong. We need to be a church that loves one another, shares with one another, builds one another up. But the church also needs to be financially strong so that we can bless this nation with great ministries, great places for people to hear the good news of Jesus and be saved. I want to ask you this morning, are you hungry for others to come to know God? Because the way that you give will be a sign of that hunger or lack thereof. You're hungry for God. You're hungry for the Word of God. You're hungry for God's Word in this season. Are you hungry for others to come to know God? If you are, then we've got to be generous with both our words that God's given us and the wealth that God's given us. If we read on, verse 19, it says, it's gone quiet in here. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it till morning. It was full of maggots and it began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. When the sun grew hot, it melted away. But on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and save whatever is left and keep it till the morning. So God provided for them so generously that they could trust him every day for bread. But on the sixth day, he gave them a double portion that didn't go off. And so on the seventh day, they could rest and they could worship together as a community. It was holy to the Lord. It was a time to be refreshed. It was a time to be devoted to God. You see, God provides bread so you can worship every week. He still does. You know, God, God's still providing enough for us as families that we don't have to work seven days a week. You know, we can have time of rest. The only problem is our priorities have got out of whack a little bit and we're using that time that God has given us for other things. And so on any given Sunday right now, in this church and churches around Australia, only half of us are here. We come on average every second week. If you go back 30 years, that wasn't true. 
people who were followers of Jesus, people who uh, had worked hard during the week and God had provided for them and they loved God. They came together to actually worship together with God's people, enjoy God's presence, rest and be refreshed for all that God had for them in the next week. If you go back 2,000 years, we see the early church, the first expression of us, they were devoted to meeting together to worship every day. Not just every week, but every day. They were so excited about what God was doing in their midst. And then we look at the life of Jesus, the Son of God here on earth. It says it was his custom to be in the temple every week. You know, if Jesus actually thought it was a good idea to gather together with God's people to rest, to be refreshed, to receive from God, to enjoy the presence of God, maybe it's a good idea for us. You see, God has provided bread so you can worship every week, but we've gotten lax with our worship. We've allowed work and sport and leisure and laziness and apathy and other things to detract from the priority of God. I want to ask you again this morning, come on church, are you hungry for the presence of God? Are you hungry for the presence of God? Come on, are you hungry for the presence of God? Is God stirring up a hunger in you that God, I want you more than any other thing? God, I want you more than the bread that pays my bills. I want you more than the bread that fills my body. God, I, I, I want more, you more than any other thing in my life. I'm hungry for you. I want to know your presence. And I want to share whatever you've given me with others so that others can be fed physically and spiritually. You know, God provides bread that will save you forever and a day. You know, we see right at the end of this passage, it says, the people of Israel called the bread manna. It was like white, it was white like coriander seed and it tasted like wafers made with honey. I love what that says about God. God could have delivered Audi white sliced bread, tasteless. But he made it taste like honey. How good is God? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Then he said, Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded, take an omer of manna and keep it for the generations to come so they can see the bread I gave you to eat in the wilderness when I brought you out of Egypt. So Moses said to Aaron, take a jar, put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put the manna with the tablets of the covenant law so that it might be preserved. The Israelites ate manna 40 years until they came to a land that was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of Canaan. But God wanted them to put an omer of this manna in with the covenant of all the laws that he gave them so they wouldn't forget the way that he provided in the past. So when they had a great new land, new places to live, they wouldn't forget his provision in the past. And they didn't. They remembered 1,500 years later, Jesus is having a conversation with a group of their ancestors. A lot of things get forgotten over a 1,500-year period. But Jesus is having a conversation with their ancestors. Jesus has just, he's just done this incredible miracle, much like you know, manna from heaven where he multiplied bread for a bunch of hungry people to satisfy their hunger, their physical hunger on the side of a hill. 
And, and the people start following him and say, hey, you know, we saw Moses do this in the past. He provided for us in the past. And, and Jesus, you'd think he'd be real happy about a crowd following him, but he actually has some hard things to say. He says, you're following me now, not because you want to get to know me more, but you just got a fill of bread and you want more of that. And Jesus says to them, John chapter 6 and uh, verse Verse 27, he says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life forever, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the whole world. Sir, they said, that's a good deal. Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus says, I'll satisfy your spiritual hunger. You're following me now because you want more bread to fill your stomach. But if you come to me to receive what I've got to give you, I'll do more than satisfy your physical hunger. I'll satisfy your spiritual hunger for more. I'm the only one who can satisfy. You see, what Jesus was about to do as he spoke those words, he was about to be hoisted up onto a cross. And all of our sins, all of, all of my sins and your sins, all of our grappling and grumbling for more stuff to try and fill our spiritual hunger, all of our chasing after sin rather than chasing after the things of God was, was nailed to that cross with Jesus. All of our sin, all of the punishment for our sin, all of that which separated us from God was put to death on that cross. It was taken away once and for all. But on, on the third day, Jesus' dead body had life breathed back into it. He, he came back to life. He's not dead bread. He is the bread of life. You see, through his death, he made a way for us to be reconnected to God. But through his resurrection, he made a way for us to receive from God every single day. And it's a good deal, people. He gives us His Holy Spirit. He breathes life into this book of pages. And He speaks to us every day because He's alive. He's alive and He's sitting on His throne. And He's got a living word for you today. He's got a living word for me today. And as long as we keep walking with Him, as long as we keep looking to Him, He will satisfy our spiritual hunger. I want to give you an opportunity this morning. If some of you are just grappling and grumbling for more stuff to try and fill this emptiness with inside you, I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in that Jesus, the risen Jesus, the one who's Lord and Saviour of this whole world. And this prayer that's going to go on the screen, it's a prayer you may have prayed a long time in the past. You walked away from God, you've been living in the world, just chasing after other things. Or maybe it's a prayer you've never, ever prayed before doesn't matter. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me, everyone who comes to me on the bread of life, I will fulfill your spiritual hunger. I tell you, God wants to breathe life into some people here today. 
God wants to come and fill a hunger that's within you. If this morning you'd like to pray this prayer with me, I'm just going to ask everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads. If today you'd say, I'm sick of grappling and grumbling for more. Today I put my faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And you want to pray that prayer with me? Just while everyone's eyes are closed, just raise your hand and say, that's me. Come on, just stick it up just so I can see it this morning. If that's you this morning, you want to pray that prayer. Bless you. Bless you out the back. Who else today? Come on, who else wants to say that prayer? You say, yes, Jesus, come and fill me on the inside. Come and fill that spiritual hunger. Anyone else today? Just stick your hand up, then we're all going to pray it together. Yeah, bless you. Right at the back, that's cool. Bless you, mate. Good man. Good man. Bless you. Awesome. I see that hand. Hey, let's pray this together. Let's all just open our eyes. We're just going to speak this prayer out together. I'm going to read it, but read it with me. If you believe it, just read it with me out loud today. Jesus Christ, I am sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I turn from everything that I know is wrong and choose to follow you. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and promise me new life. Please come into my life so I can know your power and your grace forever. Amen. Hey, can we just put our hands together and just celebrate with all those guys? We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.